This weekend, as I mentioned, we're wrapping up a current series on generosity entitled The Generosity Games. And during this series, we've tried to have fun uh, with this important subject of generosity. So last weekend, we invited you to, uh, to have an opportunity to be generous, to bring a non-perishable item or items and uh, donate them toward a local food pantry. And we wanted to have some fun while we did it. So we put up the two flags of the two teams in the Super Bowl, okay, the New England Patriots and, and the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, we ask you to vote. Put the, your donated items in front of the flag of the team you were cheering for. Well, the next picture you'll see, it was obvious there was a lot more presents, or presents, gifts of generosity given toward the Rams. Uh, but unfortunately, New England got the W, okay? Uh, that reveals my heart. But if you were rooting for New England, I guess you're happy. But in the end, the food pantry benefited from your generosity. So we want to thank all of you who gave generously. Now, I'm not sure if you noticed, but the past two Super Bowl Sundays, the past two years, uh, we have uh, had videos of one of the players that was playing in the Super Bowl. And both years, those players went on to have significant games and their teams won. That wasn't uh, we didn't know that, but it just happened that way. Last year, it was Zach Ertz from the Eagles. And this year, we showed a video from Tom Brady, the Patriots. And uh, both years, those teams profiled uh, won the Super Bowl. So maybe that's a better read on who's going to win, of who we vote for. So just think about that uh, next year. But I want you to know that that was not intentional because I'm not a Patriots fan. Uh, and yet I was moved by the video that we showed last week, and hopefully you were as well, as Brady was very honest with himself wrestling with some of life's questions. And uh, I appreciated his honesty. Another thing that kind of uh, leaked into that video, maybe you missed it, but he shared how that he, uh, uh, well, he didn't share it, actually. The, the commentator shared how that Brady had accepted lesser contracts through the years, and he actually makes less than a lot of the NFL quarterbacks, and he did that so that the team could be generous and give better contracts to some of the supporting players. Maybe that's a secret to their success, that they've been able to assemble this fantastic team around him. I think maybe... Athletes, CEOs, and leaders could take a cue from that kind of humility and generosity. Now, maybe it's a little easier for Tom Brady because he's married to a supermodel. I don't know who makes more than he does. But, but the truth of it is I found that generosity inspirational, and I hope you did as well. Well, today we want to wrap up the generosity game as we wrap up our focus on this important subject. And we've tried throughout this series to continually emphasize that generosity is not to be just limited to one particular area of our life, okay? It's, it's that we need to understand that it's, it should encompass our whole being as a person. And so because of that, throughout this series, we've looked at a threefold aspect of generosity. Two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of being generous 
with our God-given gifts and talents. So if you're taking notes, you can pull out the message insert and the first blank put in talents. Okay, that's a way that we can be generous. So we invited you on that weekend to take the spiritual gifts test that you can find on our website. You can go to our church website and one of the banner, as the banners rotate through, click on the one that says spiritual gifts test and it take about 15 to 20 minutes, but you can, through that, discover what areas you have been gifted by God and we encourage you to do that. And, and I'm just curious, we did this last week, I'm just trying to encourage you to do it. How many of you have taken that test? Okay, I got a few, we had more first hour. Uh, we grew first hour, not, maybe didn't make as many gains this hour, but I want to encourage you to take the time to do it. Now, I do want to give you a heads up. I've had some people say, well, I'm discouraged because I scored low on a lot of it. Well, maybe it's because they're a little tough on themselves. Some people aren't very generous to themselves, and so because of that, they grade themselves lower. Uh, others are more generous to themselves, maybe you score higher, but the key is what comes out on top. No matter how you score yourself, what were your top three gifts? That's what you should look at, and we want to encourage you to do that. Now, last week, we mentioned a number of people here at Southwest who have been very generous of giving of their gifts, and that means and involves giving generously of their time. And that was the second emphasis, not just being generous, generous with our gifts and, and talents, but being generous with our time. Now, this is a good opportunity as we review that second emphasis to highlight four mission trips that we are planning in 2019. Now, in past years, we've had one or two, or maybe even one year, I think we had three, but this year we're offering four mission trips that you can consider being a part of. One of them is to inner city Louisville. Uh, and by the way, I used to live in Louisville. It took me a while to figure this out, but you don't say Louisville, right? Right? It's, it's Louisville, okay? L-O-A-V-U-L. That's how you say it. I was trained that after living there. I was a campus minister in Louisville for a couple years. But, but there's some folks that are going to go to inner city Louisville and serve there. Uh, there's a meeting today about going to Appalachia. Uh, and then uh, we, there's a group of us that are going to go to El Salvador in July. And then in the fall, there's an opportunity to go to Haiti. Every year, I'm encouraged, in fact, inspired by people here at Southwest who will take a week vacation and spend that time serving others seeking to share God's love with some people in need. Will you consider participating in one of these mission opportunities? If so, I want to encourage you, if you uh, look online, maybe reach out to Andrew or myself, and we'll be glad to direct you toward a mission trip that might work for you. Now, this week, we're going to wrap up our third area of focus. We've talked about our talents. We've talked about our time. Today, we're going to talk about our treasure. Now, to give you a sneak preview of this focus, the past two weeks, we've announced that we've designated this weekend as Tithe Sunday. Now, if you're a guest this weekend, we don't want you to be nervous or feel any pressure because we don't expect you to participate in this. This is something we've asked those who consider Southwest their church home, who regularly worship here, to consider participating in Tithe Sunday. In fact, uh, 
our topic for today is about being generous with what, what maybe some of us really treasure, and that's our financial income. It's a subject matter that we haven't actually addressed for three years. Yet it's a subject matter that we're going to learn today that the Bible has a lot to say about. It talks a lot about being generous with our personal treasure, our personal finances. And yet as we wrestle with this subject, some of us might be asking the question, well, what, what's the W? What's the benefit of embracing this idea of being generous with our finances? So to answer that question, we're going to look at some questions that began with the letter W. With that in mind, let's start with, let's begin with the what of generosity when it comes to our finances. Now, as we consider this word that we rolled out there with the subject of Tithe Sunday, it's maybe a word that some of you aren't familiar with. I hear sometimes people use it incorrectly. They think a tithe is whatever you put in the offering basket as it's passed. Well, if, if you're embracing the word tithe, then maybe that's the case. But, but a tithe literally means a tenth part or 10% of what's been given to you or what, what your income is. Now, this is a principle that's taught throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, which is the part of the Bible written before Jesus walked on earth, we read this included in the Jewish law in Leviticus 27, verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. And then in verse 34, it says, these are the commands that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Now, some translations here in Leviticus 27 read a tithe of the produce. But the New Living Translation just breaks it down what the word literally means. It means a tenth. Now, for some who are maybe new to the Bible, a valid question would be, well, why did God command the Israelites to give 10% back to him. Is that just some random percentage for God to command the Jewish people to give? Or is there a reason behind it? And so that's our second W, the why. Why should we consider this? Now, on this weekend, we just invite you to consider it on this week. But why should we consider it maybe on an ongoing basis? Well, to to, under, to wrestle with that question, let's look at another Bible passage. In fact, it's interesting as you see how the Bible's put together. Leviticus is the third book of the Bible, and it deals with the Old Testament law, the Levitical priests and, and some of the laws uh, involved with them. Okay, But then when you get to the Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Bible, uh, it, it seems very redundant of Leviticus. In fact, it's called the second telling of the law. And but yet in Deuteronomy, we get some insights into why some of these laws were given to us. Listen to what we read in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which we, he swore, swore to your ancestors 
as it is today. You see, in the practice of financial giving, we're reminded of how much we have been given to by God. Now, if you were here the first week of this series, when we rolled out this subject of generosity, we talked about how that generosity begins with understanding and embracing the generosity of God and how that God has been generous to each of us. In fact, we encouraged you that weekend to set aside some time that coming week and just to reflect on how generous God has been to you. We suggested you could do it in a couple ways. One, you could just spend some time in prayer and, and resolve not to ask for anything, but just to thank God for all that he's given you. Or we said if prayer is kind of new to you, maybe, maybe you could take out a piece of paper and just start listing all the different ways that you have been given to generously from God, ways that you have been blessed. And, and because I want to make sure that I'm not one of those people that just preach something and not practice it, the Monday after I shared that challenge with you, I decided to put it into practice. Now, when I pray, I like to go for walks and pray. I just, my mind's clear. But I don't know if you've noticed, it's been kind of cold outside lately. So, so during the winter months, sometimes I just come in here and just walk laps, okay, to try to get my miles in and, and, and to pray. And, and so that day I said, okay, I'm going to take to heart what I challenged the church, and I'm just going to try to have a prayer time where I don't ask for anything, where I just thank God for all that he's given to me. It was a great time just to thank God for my parents, my upbringing my education, my experiences, my wife, what a blessing she is in my life, my children, my healthy grandchildren, and my supportive church family. Yes, God has been generous to me, very much so, more than I deserve. And yet I hope that if you will take that exercise to heart, you'll begin to realize God's been very generous to you. And I hope that God's generosity will speak into your heart and inspire you to, in turn, be generous in your life. Now, financial giving is a reminder that God gave to us. He even gave us the ability to make an earning. Let's uh, earn a living. Let's, let's read what was said a little later in Deuteronomy. When the people of God are told in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord. Now, let me just make a comment. That might sound a little weird to eat the tithe, you think, okay, am I supposed to eat money and worship? No, that's not what it's talking about. You see, this was a, a, an agricultural culture. And so because of that, the people would literally bring their produce to God. And then in turn, God would allow uh, the priests, but he would also allow from time to time others to enjoy that meal, to actually eat that tithe. So it's a, that's how to make sense of that, that text. But but the point that we want to focus on is that, that as we learn to regularly give back to God, as we 
embrace, maybe wrestle with this, this idea of tithing, of giving a tenth back to God. It's a means to honor the Lord and to show him the proper respect for all that he has given to us. Here we're told to fear the Lord. Now, some people push back from that. They think, thinking, well, should we be afraid of God? That, that's not the way to, to, to think about this. It's this idea of to fear the Lord means to be in awe of him, to respect him, to revere him, and to seek to honor him with all areas of our life, including our finances. Now, as you consider the possibility of tithing in your life, or maybe for some just to test the waters this weekend, I want to share with you some of the lessons that we've learned here at Southwest on the subject of tithing. And let me begin by saying that that it's something that it took us a while to learn as a church. In fact, our first 16 to 17 years as a church, we had as our goal, and we would repeat this often, we had as our goal to give 10% of what was given on the weekends back out to mission. But the truth of it was, we wrestled with that. Because sometimes the offering wouldn't be as big as we'd maybe hoped for, or, or maybe there'd be some expenses that came up that we weren't expecting And so the truth of it is, our first decade, decade and a half, we oftentimes gave under 10% back out to mission. But finally, in 2014, we decided as a church, as our church leaders, that after struggling financially as a church for a number of years, that maybe what we were being challenged to do was to simply honor God with whatever came in and to take that step of faith and say, we're going to honor God regardless. And even if it means we struggle with paying the mortgage that month, or even if it means we have struggle paying all the salaries, we're going to honor God by giving 10% back out to mission, whether it be local mission, national mission, or international mission. Now, I was a part of that decision. That's kind of a tough decision to make when your salary is from the church. But but I truly believed, along with our other leaders, that God would bless and that it was the right thing to do, to honor God in giving back out to mission. You know what we've discovered since that time? Is things really turned around financially for us as a church. We found out that some of the struggles we'd had in the past, I mean, God seemed just to bless us in ways. Maybe, maybe some of you were more generous after you found out that 10% of what was, was given on the weekend was going to go back out to mission. But regardless, we saw that as a really turnaround defining moment for us as a church. And as a result of your generosity, we've been able to honor God by being generous to others. And we've been able to be more mission-focused. In fact, every month, what's given on the weekend, we, every month, support two other churches, young churches, that we said we could come alongside and help. One of those churches is in Kettering, and it's called Discover Point. And I had a, a card up here, first hour, and I'm hoping I can find it, but if I can... Oh, I found it, great. Okay. Um, but But... 
almost on cue. So every month we send money to Discover Point in Kettering. And almost on cue, like they knew we were going to talk about it. I don't think so. It was just kind of a God thing. They sent us a thank you note this week in the mail. And I wanted just to read to you what they said. Southwest Church family, we want to thank you for your investment in Discover Point. Your generosity is helping those far from Jesus discover his love. As a family of families, we're committed to disciple one another, to follow Jesus, and invite others to come along. Again, thank you, Discover Point Church. You see, every person they lead to Christ, every person baptized into Jesus there at Discover Point, we've played a part in that. Every life that's turned around, we've played a part, and it's because of your generosity. The other church that we're able to support because of your generosity is the San Julian Christian Church in El Salvador. Interesting enough, this church turns five years old this weekend. And we've had the privilege of the last two years to partner with them financially. Here is their pastor, Alejandro, and his wife, uh, Zulema, and their son, Axel. And I was able to be with them on our last trip to El Salvador. And, uh, you know, as, as we've gone this journey with them, I've started the practice of trying to regularly uh, communicate with Alejandro. I want to make sure we're not just sending money every month, but we're sending encouragement. And yet, here's the challenge. I don't speak a lick of Spanish, okay? Uh, and so, here's the deal. What I found, I found this tool that's really pretty powerful. It's called Google Translate. And uh, so, I type into the English version of Google Translate what message I want to give to Alejandro, and then it spits out on the other side the Spanish version. Now, because I've been told that sometimes Google Translate can mess up, and I'm a little nervous that sometime I might say, you know, you're ugly and your wife eats worms, you know, and I don't want to say that. And so, uh, fortunately, we have a lady here that was born in Puerto Rico and is fluent in Spanish. And so, I bounce off of her regularly my messages to Alejandro to make sure that it's correct. But I think he thinks I'm fluent in Spanish now. <laughs> and so, he'll spit back. Right, I mean, it takes me a whole, you know, half hour to go through the process, putting in to Google, you know, and then sending it to to my friend and saying, is this correct? And then she'll write back, yes, or you need to change this word. And, and then in 10 seconds, he writes back a paragraph. And I'm struggling again, okay? How do I respond? Sometimes I just click thumbs up, okay? Because it's just the easier, easier way to go. But you know, it's, it's a joy to be able to partner with these Jesus followers in El Salvador in a country that's gone through a lot, to know that we're making a difference. It's part of being on mission for God. So we've talked about the what tithing is all about. We've talked about the why. Let's talk about the who. Okay, who, who's invited to, to this practice of tithing? Does this teaching of tithing that's in the Old Testament law, does it apply to those that are Christians today? Honestly, I've wrestled with that question. And honestly, I wish that Jesus would have been more explicit. I just want to be honest with you. There's, there's a bit of a wrestle with that. But he does talk about tithing, not a lot, but one example is in Matthew 23, 
where Jesus has this to say to some religious leaders that maybe had missed the point of what tithing was all about. In Matthew 23, verse 23, he says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So in all honesty, what we read in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were commanded to tithe. Jesus commended the practice. He said, yes, this is a practice that's good to do and to participate. And yet, in this context, Jesus emphasizes that tithing is not an excuse to neglect the more important things addressed in Scripture like justice, mercy, and faith. This is one of the reasons we've never made tithing an expectation for membership here at Southwest. And yet, we do encourage people to consider the practice. What we emphasize here at Southwest is for everyone that considers Southwest their church home is to give regularly and generously, realizing that as you do that, God will in turn allow us to use those finances to see God's work fulfilled here, but also throughout the world. Now, we're also very aware that some individuals who are not regular churchgoers feel like money is all that churches care about. I hear that. And if you're a first-time guest here today, you might say, oh, there you go. Yeah, I went to church, and what did he talk about? He talked about giving. He talked about tithing. Here's the truth. I know that's that's the feel that some people have, but the truth of it is that's not my heart. That's not our heart here at Southwest. That's all we care about. In fact, the truth is, as I shared, the staff challenged me to do this series on generosity because it had been three years. You see, my heart is I want people to know God. I want people to know Jesus and what it means to follow him. That's what we're about as a church. We want to influence others to follow Jesus, to know the promise that he brings, the eternal life that he gives, and the hope that he gives for our lives. That's what we emphasize here at Southwest. That's why every week we, we tell people that are our guests, we don't expect you to give. We're just glad you're here. Now, the only way we can do that, though, is if those who say, this is my church home, and I want to I really invest in what's happening here, and we say, then the challenge is for you is to give regularly and generously so that we can continue to make sure that's not the emphasis here on Sunday mornings. And yet from time to time, we have to wrestle with what the Bible has to say about our attitude toward finances, toward generosity, toward even subjects like tithing. And yet, I think it's important for us to wrestle with the fact that the Bible does have quite a bit to say about this. Preparing for this message, I I came across a quote uh, from a book by a guy named Doug Carter, and it was subtitled, Redefining Generosity, Reflecting God's Heart. I wanted to share this quote with you, what he had to write in his book. 
He says, the Bible has more to say about money and possessions than almost any other subject. More than 2,000 verses as compared to 500 on prayer and even fewer on faith. Jesus talked about money consistently. 16 of his 38 parables deal with it. Why? He understood its power on the human heart. As I read that quote, and as I reflected in my own heart and mind, a memory of how often Jesus did talk about money and what our attitude was toward it, I asked myself this question. Why did Jesus talk so much about that which I'm so hesitant to talk about? I believe it's because Jesus knew our attitude toward money really exposed what we treasure in life. And it's a real test of whether or not we're willing to surrender everything in our lives, our talents, our time, and even our treasure to the Lordship of Jesus. You see here at Southwest, we talk a lot about following Jesus, being disciples of Jesus, making disciples of others. And yet for some of us, that resolve to truly be a disciple of Jesus is tested when it comes to our attitude toward money and generosity. You see, it's in that arena that maybe we struggle with really surrendering everything to him. Jesus challenged to his first century audience, his challenge to us is where is your treasure? That's our final W question, the where. The where. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, we have to wrestle with this question that Jesus asked. Where's your treasure? And remember, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, it's easy for us to read this. For years, I did this where I thought, okay, if I give my heart to God, then my treasure will automatically follow. I used to think that. But Jesus actually says, where we invest our treasure, there will be our heart also. I had a recent life experience that kind of drove that point home, and I wanted to share it with you today. Jane and myself, we have three grown adult children, all married, and they decided at Christmas to put their money together and to buy Jane and me an experience. They were very generous, and they gave us, in a gift card, enough money for us to go see the, the, the play, the musical, Hamilton. They knew we liked theater. They knew that I liked history, and they said, we know you won't ever buy these tickets. We want you to go see Hamilton. Well, we were thrilled. 
And so Jane and I, on Christmas Day, we started looking, okay, tickets are there enough, how much does it cost? And, and so what we found was that they were even pricier than our kids thought. And so we looked at the amount of money they gave, and we said, that buys one ticket. Well, we wrestled with that, and after it was obvious that Jane wasn't okay with just me going, (laughs) we decided we'd splurge, and we'd do something that we don't normally do and, and spend a little bit more money on some entertainment. Now, you have to understand an idea of, of a night out for Jane and me, it's, uh, this, this is real exciting. I mean, we'll take a gift card somebody gave us to a restaurant. We'll go there and then stop at Kroger's at the Red Box and get a you know, d- DVD on the way home. And that's our big night. Really, for me, a good date night would be to get a bowl of popcorn and watch on the Big Ten Network. My Purdue Boilers win another game. But I'm not sure if Jane's that excited about it. But see, we don't just spend a lot of money on that. And so this was a big investment for us to take a little bit of our treasure and say, we're going to go see Hamilton. Now, there's an interesting thing that happened after we made that investment. I've been listening like crazy to the music of Hamilton. I've listened to the entire soundtrack, I think maybe twice now. I've been researching the history background of who Alexander Hamilton was, all of his relationships. Why? Because I don't want to invest this money and then not know what's going on in the musical. I've never researched Alexander Hamilton before in my life. But once there was some treasure there, my heart went there also. Where's your treasure? Where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. Now, as we, as we look at the what, the why, the who, and even the where concerning our treasure, I want to leave you with one more observation. Here's the deal. As we look at this subject of tithing, some of us get, we, we get all frustrated because we think, how am I ever going to do that? And we, we focus on the how question instead of maybe looking more importantly at the wow. Let's look at the promise that God makes if we'll just trust him. Let's close with reading this this promise in Malachi 3 and verse 8. We read it last week from one translation of the Bible. We're going to read it today from an easy-to-read version. In fact, that's what it's called, easy-to-read version. In Malachi 3, verse 8, people should not steal things from God, but you stole things from me. You say, what did we steal from you? You should have given me one-tenth of your things. You should have given me special gifts. In this way, your whole nation has stolen from me. So bad things are happening to you. The Lord All-Powerful says, try this test. Bring one-tenth of your things to me. Put them in the treasury. Bring food to my house. Test me. If you do these things, I will surely bless you. Good things will come to you like rain falling from the sky. You will have more than enough of everything. I will not let pests destroy your crops. All your grapevines will produce grapes. This is what the Lord All-Powerful said. As we read this amazing, wild promise from God's Word, 
the question for each of us, are we willing to take God at his word? Are we willing to trust the promise that he gives? As I shared last week, my wife and I made a commitment when we got married that we were going to give 10% of whatever we made in, in earnings and income back, at, back to God. For 35 years, we've been doing that. And we just constantly, even this past week, we had an opportunity to say, wow, God just keeps pouring the blessings back in our life. Now, it's not always intangible money windfalls. Sometimes it's just things don't break that should break over long periods of time. We're grateful for how God has poured out his blessings in our life. Are you willing to trust God for your life? The only place that I can think in Scripture that God says, test me, is here in Malachi 3. So not only are you willing to trust God, are you willing to test God in this area? We, we try to design a way for you to test him on a one-week basis, even if you're not ready to do it on an ongoing basis, for our tithe Sunday. A little bit later, we're going to be passing the baskets and I have to be honest, I'm, I'm excited to see what's the potential that God has created for us as a congregation as we take a stab at testing God. So we think back to the very beginning of this series, the motivation for everything we do as a church begins with the generosity of God. You see, we give because God's given to us. Every weekend, we end with communion. And I couldn't think of a better verse to read before our communion time than a one that's very common that all of us know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. During communion, we're reminded that God gave his son to come to this earth to die for us. Jesus gave his life so that we could have life. Let's reflect on the generosity of God during this time of communion. Spend some time with God and begin that prayer of just thanking him for all the ways that he's blessed your life. Make sure you thank him that Jesus died for you. He died for me so we could have life. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your generosity. Father, you are so generous. Help us accept that generosity, embrace it, benefit from it, but also help us then extend it to others. Thank you for how generous you were in your son. Jesus, thank you for generously giving of your life. Help us reflect on that and examine our heart and our response to your generosity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.